Hello, welcome to the podcast, and we are into the winter. Maybe you're listening in the future, and you're like, who cares that it's winter, but the winter solstice is a really cool time of the year. You've got the shortest daylight, but there's so much magic and beauty that happens in the darkness if you pay attention. Um, Just the other day, when I drove up the driveway at nighttime, there was a skunk right there in the driveway just hanging out. I was like, wow, that's cool. How often do people see skunks alive? Most people, when they see a skunk, it's dead, and you drive across it, and then shoo-wee, and then that's it. But, you know, to see a skunk living is pretty cool. So with the increased darkness, you have new things, new creatures that you may see. Oh, we saw a great horned owl. Oh, my God. That was awesome. I could rant about it, but let's just say I've never seen a great horned owl this close in a tree. It was beautiful. Let's get into the show on mood issues. I hope you enjoy, and if you need help clinically, check out my site, evanbrand.com. Schedule a call. Here we go. And we are live. It's Dr. J and Evan Brand here in the house. We're going to be chatting about root causes to mood issues. Evan, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing very well. This is an exciting topic because... Depression is the number one leading cause of disability in the U.S., and there's a ton of other mood issues that come along with depression, and your psychiatrist is not telling you that you need to detox heavy metals and get infections out of your gut and stop eating pesticides and all the other things that are causing your mood issues. They just give you a drug to treat it and give you a Band-Aid, which has saved lives, but it's not root cause, so we always love root cause. 100%. So let's talk about some root cause foundational mood stuff first. You know, we kind of have the nuanced nitty gritty stuff and then we have the foundational stuff. So the first thing is just your diet, right? We need a nutrient dense, anti-inflammatory, low toxin dietary template. And I, I like to talk about diets from a template perspective. It provides a lot more flexibility. And then we have a framework premise and why we recommend the things that we recommend. Part of it is foods that are evolutionarily appropriate, foods that we've had enough time to adapt to and eat, foods that are gonna be low in in toxins, whether it's anti-nutrients or oxalates or phytates or natural plant toxins. Remember, plants don't have um, claws and feet to run run and fight, so they have various toxins, right? So we wanna make sure we're using cooking methods and avoiding toxic plants, especially the more gut issues we have. And then anti-inflammatory, right? We know foods have the ability to move us to an anti-inflammatory environment, good healthy omega-3 fatty acids, kind of more neutral, good healthy saturated fats, less of the more processed refined omega-6 that are more fragile and they can move move us more in that pro-inflammatory state. And then of course the nutrient density, foods that are gonna be super nutrient dense, B vitamins, minerals, um, obviously, the food quality is now a big deal because you can have the same kind of meat on, on your plate that looks totally different under a microscope because of the hormones, because of the feeding practices, because of the medications and the and the drugs given to the animal while, while they were having their life and growing, so to speak. So we have to look at nutrient density, anti-inflammatory status, and hormones and um, toxins. Those are the big things off the bat. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the omegas. We've talked about this before, but we could just bring it up briefly, which is that there's been studies done on prisoners, and when they were given omega-3 supplements, basically fish oil supplements, they had less violence and less just crazy behavior uh, overall. And there's been some like psychiatry studies looking at just overall uh, like homicidal rage and suicidal thoughts and those things, and, and they're directly... Uh, correlated with a deficiency of omega-3 fatty acids. Yeah, omega-3 is really important. Also, blood sugar stability. There's also um, data on the fact that um, inflammation, or I should say, are you able to see me here? 
on the screen? Yeah, I see you perfectly. Okay, good, excellent. All right, so there's information showing that mood issues, anxiety, and depression is a result of inflammation in the brain. And we also know that anytime um, low blood sugar environments can happen, right? Refined carbohydrates, blood sugar spike, followed by a drop, that's called reactive hypoglycemia. Those kind of, um, those kind of situations are gonna create mood issues. And there's data on the fact that a lot of violent crimes are committed in a hypoglycemic environment. And some of the data on that is because of the fact that low blood sugar environment can shut down activation of the frontal cortex. And the frontal cortex is the part of the brain that's gonna predict outcome of an action. So it can say, hey, you know, that person that just pissed you off, I wanna go hit them or go call them out. And then that frontal cortex has that like 20 milliseconds of, hey, you know, if you do that, you may get arrested and it can dampen the impulse, so to speak. So the more you have good activation of that frontal cortex through reducing inflammation, and then also maintaining good blood sugar. And part of that is we become more fat burners. And that fat burning environment puts logs on our metabolic fire, which keeps our blood sugar from going up and down, and then avoiding a lot of the refined carbohydrate, which tends to make our blood sugar go up and down as well. Well, this is part of the reason people make bad decisions when they go out to a bar, into a club, and they drink alcohol and go home with somebody that they don't want to, partially due to what is alcohol. I mean, it's basically mm -hmm. liquid. It's basically liquid sugar. It's going to crank up the blood sugar, but it's also going to crank up serotonin, and then the serotonin is going to just flatline. And when you run out of serotonin, you can't make decisions that are smart. And so. Um, if you are somebody who is struggling with mood issues, alcohol needs to be out of the picture completely for multiple reasons that we just mentioned. Yeah, blood sugar, or I should, alcohol actually lowers your blood sugar. It can create a hypoglycemic environment. Just go take a, um, for instance, a shot of vodka and just test your blood sugar. Your blood sugar will drop. Restaurants do this on purpose because they know if they can get you some refined carbohydrates, some pretzels, some some. Uh, bread, and then they can get you some alcohol pretty fast. They're going to cause a reactive hypoglycemia environment, and you're going to be ordering more food and getting more carbohydrates and maybe ordering a bigger dessert. And whether or not they understand the biochemistry of it all, they understand that if they do these kind of things in the beginning of the meal, they can create a larger bill for you at the end of the meal. Yeah, when I'm saying blood sugar, sorry, I should have clarified like margaritas and things that have like agave syrup and all the sugary stuff mixed with the alcohol that's when your blood sugar is going to go crazy. But yeah, I haven't tested the vodka by itself. That would be cool to see on a glucose monitor. Exactly. Yep. 100%. It can really create some significant, significant issues, some significant stressors, 100%. So we right. could we could spend time and talk about, you know, th this isn't for today, but I mean, there's like traumas, for example, you know, any trauma that's left over in your body, you know, physical, mental, you know, abuse, uh, war, mm -hmm. violence, anything that you've had like that, yes, you must address traumas. I don't want somebody listening and thinking if they just perfect their diet and get rid of alcohol, their mood issues will go away. There could be super deep traumatic issues that need to be addressed. But, you know, we were trying to focus on more like the biochemistry aspect, the blood sugar aspect, adrenals, hormones, uh -huh. thyroid, yep. gut, those things. 100%. Yep. I totally, totally get that for sure. So in general, we have the inflammation components too. So of course, gluten's going to be a big one there. The main mechanism and how gluten's going to create more mood issues is going to be through inflammation. 
and it can create gut permeability, and that gut permeability can allow various inflammatory cytokines and undigested food particles to get in the bloodstream that can create more of an inflammation response and then create leaky brain as well. And then a lot of these inflammatory compounds, whether it's lipopolysaccharides or just inflammatory foods that are unprocessed, and then you have that immune response, these particulate can get into the, the brain but through the astrocytes, which are the blood-brain barrier, and then that can activate our glial cells in our brain, and that can create more cognitive issues, more inflammation in the brain. And some of the newer families of antidepressants that are coming out very soon, these medications are actually working more on inflammation in the brain. The problem is, like any medication, it's going to be have inherent side effects just because of the fact that any medication does. When you block and inhibit various enzymatic pathways, other things happen as a result. It's kind of like the old Vioxx days with these COX-2 inhibitor medications. The COX-2 enzyme, the cyclooxygenase 2 enzyme that was being blocked by some of these medications like Vioxx, well, those enzymes also had beneficial effects on recovering liver, heart, and gut tissue. So then you had a lot more stroke and cardiovascular incidences when you were on these medications. Even though they worked, that enzyme had other important roles outside of just blocking pain. Wow, they pulled that from the shelves. I mean, that's like long gone, isn't it? Maybe I should look it up. The Vioxx. Oh yeah, that, that was pulled like 10 years ago. I think Merck had a massive lawsuit around that. I think it was on record of killing 60,000 people. Oh gosh. Yeah, yeah, I know, really sad. But what are you going to do, you know? All right, so let's talk about uh, the sleep aspect. Like, for example, third shift workers, much, much higher incidence. Mm -hmm. I've experienced yep. it personally when you're working a third shift or a swing shift. You're, you're messing up your circadian rhythm, your serotonin, your dopamine, your melatonin, your cortisol, all these hormones and neurotransmitters that can act as both neurotransmitters and hormones, they all have a circadian rhythm. And if you're not going to bed with the sun and getting up with the sun, you're probably not going to be optimally happy. Now, there may be a few people listening and say, oh, I've worked third shift for 20 years and I'm as happy as a lark. Okay, Mike, maybe you're unique, but as a general human rule, going against the sun is not going to result in good moods. It's that simple. Yep, 100%. Shift work's a big one. Uh, we know that that can definitely create a lot of mood issues, partly because we are hardwired to kind of be on a natural circadian rhythm, right? Light stimulates cortisol. Cortisol stimulates, you know, alertness and, and being awake. And then, then that cortisol drops throughout the day. And then we relax at night and darkness stimulates melatonin. Melatonin inhibits cortisol and therefore you relax. It's a powerful antioxidant, helps with inflammation, helps you recover. So yeah, that's a really important step into this um, equation for sure. So the sleep component, uh, the food, the nutrient density uh, component, I think is really big. Um, let's go to the next low hanging fruit. Well, digestion. Like, okay, great, we're eating a really good diet, but now we gotta actually break down those nutritions, those the nutrients. So we gotta make sure we're chewing our food up well. We gotta make sure we have enough acid and enzymes to break down those amino acids, those fatty acids, those cholesterol um, compounds, because they all are building blocks for our brain, i.e. cholesterol and saturated fats. Uh, our hormones are building blocks from cholesterol as well. And then our brain amino, brain chemicals, they're all gonna come from amino acids, which come from protein. So all of our brain chemicals, norepinephrine, dopamine, GABA, serotonin. Serotonin then converts to melatonin, which is our sleep hormone and our antioxidant for the brain. They all come from protein. So if we really have poor digestion, and there's studies actually on H. pylori, for instance, can create mood issues. And what's the major mechanism, in my opinion? The mechanism is the fact that you have poor digestion, you have less stomach acid, you have less breakdown of these important building blocks, and then these building blocks can't be used to make these healthy brain chemicals that allow you to feel good, sleep good, and deal with stress. 
Yeah, I agree. I was depressed when I had H. pylori. I could attest to that. My mood was not good. And I lost a lot of muscle, too. I mean, you looked at me and you told me, Evan, man, I remember seeing a picture of you. You had some muscle. What happened to you? I was so skinny. Luckily, I've regained a lot of that muscle back. But uh, mood issues are definitely related to gut infections. And I just want to talk about kids for a minute because a lot of parents blame their children for just being kids. And that's why they have a bad mood. I'll tell you, as a father of two, uh, mood issues are totally related to what's going on with your kid's diet as well and your kid's gut. So if you send your kid to school with crackers and goldfish and other garbage that's going to be inflammatory, but also it's going to uh, affect their blood sugar and they're not having good protein with their lunch, it's no wonder they crash and have bad moods and then they're getting in trouble in school and the teacher's calling you saying, hey, you know, Johnny hit another student today. What would have happened if his blood sugar was well regulated and go ahead yeah i saw my son um a picture of him at snack time last week it was really funny all the kids had their had their um lunch boxes open and you could see he had like some green apples that were cut up he had this like grass-fed uh organic like beef jerky that was just really easy and all kind of cut up and he had i think some little bit of almond butter and so he had a really nice snack and you see a lot of the other kids you see the goldfish you see a lot of the sugary drinks and i'm like oh man you know, these kids are just really getting their blood sugar on a roller coaster ride and they're not going to be as good. I mean, don't get me wrong. Nutrition's not going to make your one or two year old or three year old who's developing be a perfect angel, <laughs> but it's going to significantly improve things and make it much, much better. And it's going to provide the building blocks they need to one to heal and to grow their nervous system and to connect all these synapses in the brain with all these uh, neuro connections from all these new skills that they're that they're using. But two, they're keeping a lot of the inflammatory dyes and chemicals and foods out that could make things even worse as well. Yeah, I mean, there's been countless studies on the artificial colors and flavorings increasing the risk of ADD and ADHD yeah. and a lot of these behavioral slash cognitive issues that are deemed as common. So the teachers, you know, will just recommend that the parents speak with the doctor and the doctor puts the kid on Ritalin and that calms the kid down. But that's not the root cause. See, there's a root cause to that. And, and this is not, hey, you know, Justin and I are awesome and our kids are better than you. But I'm just telling you, I've seen it. My daughter hanging out a play, at, at a playground versus other kids where other kids in the same age group are having emotional breakdowns and they're crying and rolling on the floor and screaming and just acting out like not how a, you think a kid would act out, just not in control, whereas my daughter would be controlled. Her emotions would be controlled. Now, does she still have outbursts and cry over silly small things? Yes, totally, but she's three years old at the time of this recording. So I'm just saying as a general rule, um, but also the chemicals too, right? We're not even just talking food. We're talking that, you know, you and I both are, you're giving your son detoxification support. I give my daughter detoxification support. We've given uh, both of our kids herbs to help treat gut infections and bacteria and things like that in the gut too. So uh, if, if the diet is dialed in, but you're not seeing any progress improvement, this applies for adults, but also children, since we're on the subject, run a stool test on your three, four, five, six, 10 year old, 15 year old kid. And you may find gut infections like the H. pylori just to mention as another root cause of the mood issue. Exactly, plus there's probably incidences where maybe some not so great food or more refined processed food slipped in with your child at all. And then you probably saw an outburst or behavioral issue. Uh, you know, we had an incident, I think on birthday where we gave him a little bit of gluten-free cake and there was a little bit of a crash afterwards. And we, we could see that and there's probably observations from you. So it's all relative, right? Yeah. Um, we definitely want to provide the hormonal environment where it allows our kids to grow and, and be as stable as possible. So I think that's really, really important. So I think we hit the, the food component, the digestion component. Let's talk about hormones. 
So obviously blood sugar has a major effect on our hormones. The more our blood sugar goes up and down, the more cortisol and adrenaline get called to the rescue to, to buffer that out. So the more adrenal stress gets put on our body and our adrenal, our stress handling system. And the adrenals are part of the hormonal system that's connected with the sympathetic nervous system. So the sympathetic nervous system is the part of the nervous system that deals with fight or flight, stress, running, fighting, fleeing, confronting. And that part of the nervous system, the more it gets turned on or flared, the more adrenaline and cortisol and stress hormones that are catabolic, that break tissue down, are gonna be secreted. And the adrenals also produce a significant amount of sex hormone precursor. So the more we're stressed and dealing with the catabolic stress side, the less we can allocate resources to the anabolic repair and recovery parasympathetic side. So then it makes it harder for us to recover, put on muscle, feel good, turn over our neurotransmitters, and just be able to deal with and adapt to stress. So there is that on one side, and the adrenals affect kind of men and women relatively equally, but then women have their hormonal side from the ovaries that cycle throughout the month. And that part of this, the cascade is a little bit more unique because cortisol, which is that major stress hormone that we talked about, can also be made from progesterone. And so the more we are stressed, the more we can pull from the progesterone side, which then can create more estrogen dominance. So our relative ratio of progesterone to estrogen, which is typically 20 to 25 to 1 on average for progesterone to estrogen, starts to skew. And this condition called estrogen dominance starts to occur where the percent of estrogen starts going up. And this can create more mood issues, more PMS kind of issues, um, breast tenderness, cramping, back pain. And the mood component's a big one, irritability, anxiety, depression, all those symptoms can happen as a result of that. So the more we can take away that up and down with our cortisol, and the more we can take stress of that, the less estrogen dominance will kick in. Yeah, and I just wanna point out one key point. You're speaking about ratios. A lot of women come to us and say, oh, I've got so much estrogen. I'm so estrogen dominant. No, he's not saying that you have tons of estrogen. He's saying in relationship to your progesterone. So it's not that the estrogen is literally overwhelming and you have more estrogen than progesterone. That's not what's happening, correct? Correct. And, and it could be that your estrogen is actually really, really high. I'm seeing with a lot of my female patients is progesterone's low really low, estrogen's also low, but the ratio is still skewed. So I'm seeing it like, if here's progesterone, right, and here's estrogen, what's happening, both are low, but progesterone's even lower. So it's but are like you that. Seeing, are you seeing estrogen overwhelm progesterone, or would that be like an extreme case? That'd be an extreme case. And almost okay. all the time with cases like that, there may be an exogenous bit of estrogen being taken, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you definitely would see it on the birth control pill side. You may not see it come back like that because a lot of these estrogen metabolites may not come back on the test because they're not, you know, actual the actual estradiol or estriol hormone. They're like an analog that that's a metabolite that has still an estrogenic effect, but it's not coming back in the lab. So we just know the fact that if these levels are are that high because you're taking it, then the hormones are going to be high as well. Has okay. to be. Okay, makes sense. And toxicity then, would be a mechanism too, because if you had like yes, high beta days and you're you're recirculating all those hormones, exogenous hormones would just make it worse, right? If you're recirculating Correct. hormones. Correct. Um, plastics um, that have xenoestrogen kind of effects, whether it's phthalate or bisphenol A, and then of course you're going to have hormones in the meats, right? They're given a lot of estrogen type of hormones to make them fatter and kind of 
bulk up, so to speak, so the farmers can make more money on the slaughter, there is that too. So that's why you have to mitigate the toxins and the hormones and all the food. And then um, you have to look at the detoxification pathway. So we'll run on the Dutch test. There's a little gas gauge in the bottom left-hand corner of, of page three. It's called the 2-methoxyhydroxyestrogen metabolite panel, or I should say reading, and it's a little gas gauge. We want it at least in the middle, but you'll see a lot of decreased methylation, so it's way to the left. And that's a sign that we're not metabolizing our estrogen. Yep, that's important. So you have to address hormones. And we're not saying, hey, you just go on thyroid medication. Like that's not, you know, this is a whole system here. Adrenals are connected to your thyroid. Thyroid's connected to adrenals. The brain's involved. You mentioned the sympathetic nervous system. So if you're somebody who's working 70 hours a week, you're not taking days off, and your nervous system is so revved up, you can eat a paleo diet and still have mood issues. Correct. Yep. It's very possible. So we have those kind of hormone issues. And of course, any women listening to it, mood may be one component of that. It could be other things as well. It could be energy. It could be back pain, cramping, breast tenderness, fluid retention. It could be all of the above. We should talk about toxicity and liver and chemicals and metals yep. and stuff for a minute. But why don't we just briefly mention autoimmunity and the role that it could play in hormones. So if you're someone who has autoimmune thyroid, isn't it more possible that if you're going from hypo to hyperthyroid, you may have some mood issues associated with that autoimmune attack where some days the immune system is bang, bang, and then some days the immune system is not. So when we look at hormones, it's, it's either ATM or ATF, and it's not, you know, the ATM where you get money or the alcohol, tobacco, and, and firearms uh, government agency. ATM is adrenal thyroid male hormones. ATF is adrenal thyroid female hormones. So we already talked about the adrenal and the female and the adrenal and the male yes it's the same mechanism there as we deplete dhea and we kind of um let's just say deplete our sex hormone precursors from the adrenals testosterone can also drop and then testosterone can have a significant mood depleting effect as well so same on the men it's a little bit less as less um pronounced because women have a hormone cycle that 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 rhythms up and down throughout the cycle where men are kind of like a flat kind of foghorn so to speak so there isn't quite as much rhythmic activity therefore it's harder to knock that off so to speak yeah but now with the thyroid issues women are going to be five times more prone than men at this but men still listen because if you have symptoms we definitely want to rule out the thyroid like you said just having low levels of thyroid hormone can create anxiety for sure and also having high levels can also create anxiety and irritability. And also having Hashimoto or autoimmune flares, which would eventually end with low thyroid. But like you mentioned, that autoimmune flare can flare up your thyroid autoimmune response, which can then cause more hormone to dump in the system, which can then create mood swings and irritability and anxiety, difficulty sleeping, and that can create issues as well. So you really want to look at autoimmune markers for the thyroid, TPO, thyroglobin antibodies. You want to look at your thyroid levels because high or low are going to be significantly driving a lot of mood issues. Most of the time it's going to be low because low is the chronic place that people tend to end up. But you will see with acute flares, uh, it will go high or more on the hyper side. Again, in general, it's going to be harder to catch that. But if we see high levels of antibodies, we can definitely assume those level of flares may be happening. Whether or not we catch the high level on the test, if we know high antibodies are there, then it makes sense that that's plausible. And then, of course, um, 
Graves, for sure. Graves will be the other condition where we're making antibodies, whether it's thyroid receptor site antibodies or TSI, which are thyroid-stimulating immunoglobulins. Those can cause the thyroid to make more hormones, and that's an autoimmune condition as well. Again, 95 to 99% are going to be Hashis, Hashimoto's, 1% Graves. So in general, it's more plausible if you're a gambling person that you're going to go on the Hashi side, less on the Graves, but you know, you'll typically... We're not going to ever run for Graves antibodies unless we see very high levels of thyroid levels, like very high levels of T4 and T3. Then we'll definitely say, okay, let's run TSI. Let's run thyroid receptor site antibodies. Yeah, but that's not something your endocrinologist would probably even run, even if you beg them. So in a lot of times, we're ordering uh, these special labs because the primary doctor that someone may have if they're working with us we may try to push them hey you know try to get your endocrinologist to run this and they just won't they're very stubborn even when it comes to the tpo and tg antibodies despite the massive massive increase even just the past five to ten years of autoimmunity with thyroid you would think that it's like part of standard procedure and protocol now but it's still not my grandfather got his thyroid labs run it was literally just tsh and t4 and maybe like t3 uptake but still, nothing else, and it's just crazy. So what do they do? They they modify your drug based on TSH. Oh, TSH went up. Let's give you a little bit more Synthroid, and, and people just don't know why. They're not getting better. Exactly, and then conventional medicine will look at the Graves thing, and they'll just say, okay, well, if you're not on any hormone, right, and you come in and your TSH is buried, meaning it's very low, you know, let's say below 0 0.3, 0 0.2, 0 0.1, then they may want to look downstream at them, some of those antibodies, right? They may look at T4, and then they may look at the TSI and the thyroid receptor site markers. But outside of that, unless they see that, they probably aren't going to do much. Yeah, hopefully that's what they do. But in some cases, they may go straight to, hey, uh, we need to do radioactive iodine and try to just kill your thyroid off because you're, you're over, your thyroid's overactive. I'm sorry. Yeah, if they saw Graves markers, that would be the, the next logical step. They either want a thyroidectomy or they give you PTU or methimazole to shut down the, the thyroid um, activity, um, or they give the radioactive iodine to just kill the thyroid to begin with. Ugh, not pretty. Not no, pretty. it's not. So, and then also, it, what if you're just having thyroid flares because of Hashimoto's? Well, that may never come back. Because one, the TSH may never come out of balance enough for it to be an issue, and your TSH may still be relatively in range, even though your antibodies are going up and down, and your T3 may be lower or could be going up and down too. So you may not even see a problem with that. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about toxicity. That was a good diversion. So I just wanted to make yep. sure we hit autoimmunity because it is so yep. common and it's I like agree. a missing puzzle. So uh, on the toxicity front, Justin's already alluded to, you know, pesticides damaging the gut barrier, damaging the blood brain barrier. Even if you're a vegan listening, please eat some meat. But if you're not, you know, the vegetables are not benign either. You could still get uh, different herbicides, pesticides, et cetera, that still damage your good gut bacteria and create leaky gut. Even if you're saying, oh, I don't eat hormone meat. Okay. Well, the, the plants could do it too. And then also the heavy metals. You know, we've seen a lot. There's just Google it, look it up on PubMed. Mercury depression or, you know, um, mercury anxiety and any like bad mood symptom that you type up, you can find a correlation with a various heavy metal. Yep. Excellent. I think that's really, really important. So heavy metals, um, various pesticides, um, various toxins, Roundup, glyphosate, these are all going to be potentially stressors on your nervous system, on your immune system, on your brain. And so the easiest thing is one, just decrease the toxin overload. Just be eating organic, higher quality food, drink really good, clean, filtered water. And then number two, we can always give supports to help run our phase one, phase two, and our detoxification pathways.
And that's really important. So we could do simple things like activated charcoal. We could give sulfur and based amino acids. We can give glutathione straight in a liposomal form or a reduced form. We can give extra B vitamins and antioxidants like milk thistle and curcumin and resveratrol and really powerful things to help with inflammation and, and donate antioxidants. Uh, anything else you want to highlight there on the detox side? Uh, I started over the weekend doing some glutathione and a nebulizer. There's actually a brand out there, which I can tell you about, of a glutathione that's mixed with a sodium bicarbonate that you can mix with saline solution. I had read uh, Stephen Buhner, the herbalist that you and I uh, love because of his work on Lyme and co-infections. He made a COPD protocol for people suffering with asthma and other lung conditions and came up with a nebulized protocol with essential oils. And so I'm doing the nebulized glutathione by itself and you just you know put the face mask on you've got the nebulizer and i just took in of 200 milligrams of glutathione intranasally and i tell you my brain yesterday was so clear like amazingly clear and i've actually spoke with some of these people at the company who've gotten their patients off of iv um, glutathione and onto the nebulizer because they don't have to drive anywhere to get poked with a needle it's much cheaper and the results are being seen much better because it's getting through the blood-brain barrier when you inhale the glutathione versus the IV is not. So that's like my new development on detox, and I haven't done it enough yet to to give you the full, you know, uh, the full story. But for right now, my story is it's very positive. Excellent, very good. So I think we talked about some of the toxin things, and again, it's it's pretty simple. It's like you just got to look at the food, uh, look at the environment. Um, try to increase sweating via infrared sauna, good clean hydration, good, get a really good clean water filter, uh, justinhealth.com slash water. Those are the ones that I specifically use. Uh, Evan probably has some as well, evanbrand.com, and you can look at his shop as well, but that's kind of, those are the things I actually use and I recommend personally. Um, clean water, uh, organic food, being able to digest your food. And then we talked about some of the various binders that we can do like chlorella for the, some of the heavy metals, um, activated charcoal, just a really good multitasker for a lot. Various bentonite clays or fulvic minerals are really good too. And then we may also, you know, for mold, we may also do things like zeolite or maybe even cholestyramines to help that to bind up some of that mold as well that could be there environmentally. And if that's the case, then we'll have to do some testing on the house and, and look at getting to the root cause of that dialed in. And I have a guest that we're going to get on in just a few minutes that we'll talk all about that in the next podcast that will be right after this show. Yeah, we got to wrap it up so that you all can chat about mold. It's going to be fun. But the sauna would be the last thing I would add, and then we'll wrap it up. The sauna, yep. uh, I love sweating. Sweating is the key. And you can look at, if you just look up PubMed, type in like okra toxin sweat, you can read that mold toxins, in fact, do come out when you sweat. So there is proof behind that. And there's a reason that our ancestors did like sweat lodges and some of these ceremonial practices they sweat their butt off in those things and they were probably detoxing. The good thing for them is they didn't have any of the hundreds of thousands of man-made modern chemicals that we have yep. today. I think so. that's important. That's great. Awesome, Evan. Well, today was a great chat. Um, as always, hope everyone enjoyed the podcast and the interview. Feel free to put your comments down below. Let us know things that you have used to help you detoxify, good experiences you've had. And if you enjoyed today's show, give us a share. We appreciate it. And you can write us a review at evanbrand.com slash iTunes and justinhealth.com slash iTunes. We appreciate y'all. Everyone have a phenomenal day, and we'll talk real soon. Take care, Evan. The clinical websites. If you want to reach out to oh, Justin yep. clinically, uh, please do so at his site, Justin Health. 
testkits.com. You can reach out around the world. We can send test kits to your door. You don't even have to drive anywhere and wait in a boring, dirty doctor's office and read People magazine. You can do it from your house. So justinhealth.com, and then my site is evanbrand.com. We look forward to helping you. We're very grateful for the opportunity. Love it. Excellent. Awesome, Evan. You have a phenomenal day. Great chat with you as always. We'll be back next week. Take care, everyone. You too. See you later. Bye. All right, bye. All right. I already did the outro, so I really don't have anything else to say besides I hope you enjoyed it. And if you do want to reach out clinically, that's what I'm here for. So I'm super lucky to be in the position I'm in. Part of it's luck, but part of it's this is this is what I chose. You know, I chose this path. I chose this path to be able to help people, and I'm addicted to it. I love it. I'm so grateful. It's so fun to help somebody improve their life. Why? Well, because then they could be a better dad or a better mom or a better grandma or a better sister or a better spouse, a better teacher. You know what I mean? It's like people get so caught up on the vanity aspect of, oh, I want to lose the 10 pounds and my belly's fat and whatever. My pants don't feel good. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm fine to help you with the weight loss goals and all that. But at the end of the day, I want you to become a better person. I want you to have more energy so you can do more things like go hiking and play music and go dancing and sing and whatever you want to do. I had a client. I may get her on the podcast, uh, but she told me that she, it, this is funny, right? I mean, I fix a lot of problems by accident, meaning this lady didn't realize that her vocal cords were very inflamed and irritated. And after we did our protocol to help improve her gut issues, all of a sudden she could sing better. She said, yeah, I've got a whole new range to my voice that I've never had before. It's like, wow, I'm not a voice coach. I'm no voice expert. But just by fixing her and fixing her gut, now all of a sudden she can sing better. And she's back in choir and singing with her friends again. I mean, this is just cool stuff. So um, just I'm very blessed and very grateful. And thank you for listening. If you've made it this far, then you must somewhat enjoy listening to me. So thank you. And if you do want to review my podcast, please do it. I've got like 500 reviews, but that's really not that many in the grand scheme of things, considering that I have 10, 10 million, somewhere around 10 million downloads or more at this point. So please review me. Come on. Just uh, type in evanbrand.com slash iTunes on your computer. If you have iTunes on your computer, I know Apple's deleting or getting rid of iTunes. So maybe you can't do it on the computer anymore, but on the podcast app on your phone, you still should be able to do that. So if you're an iPhone user, you should be able to look up Evan Brand find the podcast. There's a button right there. It says, write a review, click it, give me the stars you think I deserve, write me a message, and that would be sweet. So thanks. You take good care of yourself and have a great Christmas, great New Year's, and uh, we'll be in touch real soon. Bye-bye. Oh, in the site, did I already tell you that? evanbrain.com, that's the site. If you need help, if you want to check out my professional supplement line, that is all there as well. The auraroots.com site that's where you'll end up so when you're on my evan brand you'll see aura store click it boom auraroots.com those are all the labs supplements air filters water filters things like that i use and recommend okay see you later bye bye